Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, 
I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, email rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and on Facebook if you'd like to follow the show and our website www.thesecretteachings.info where you can listen to The Secret Teachings seven days a week for free. You can download or stream the show or you can search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player and listen to the free show that way. You can also subscribe to our ad-free archive. Also on our website, you'll get access to the shows, the montages, my digital books, and a private RSS feed. If you support us in those ways by grabbing a copy of one of my books or subscribing to the archive, you keep us on air and allow us to do what we do five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast tonight. I hope that you enjoyed last night's show as well on the Jeff Bezos, Lauren Sanchez crotch rocket story, the shooting of a large phallic object into space and the penetration of the sky goddess by the earth god and its very occult and esoteric elements and components. And if you enjoyed that show, I think you'll enjoy tonight's show just as well. Tonight we're going to merge a couple of different subjects together and look at them through the lens, as we typically do, of the secret teachings, or call it occultism, or call it whatever you want to call it. Tonight we have the story of the Chinese spy balloon, and we also have the stories of egg shortages and fires at egg facilities, or facilities where you have a lot of fowl that have turned up dead. But before we can get to those stories, I think it is important to go back a couple of years to an article, we discussed this when it first came out back in 2020, toward the beginning of the quote-unquote pandemic, there was a story from the New York Times, and that story was about how, as a result of the pandemic and a result of people not being able to get out and maybe go buy food or a result of uh, people wanting to stay locked down and there not being a demand for a lot of different products, The New York Times reported that farmers across the country were dumping out their milk, they were smashing eggs, and they were plowing vegetables because people weren't buying the milk, people weren't buying the eggs, and people weren't buying the vegetables. They reported this in the headline, Food Waste of the Pandemic. They say in Wisconsin and Ohio, farmers are dumping thousands of gallons of fresh milk into lagoons and manure pits. An Idaho farmer has dug huge ditches to bury one million pounds of onions. And in South Florida, a region that supplies much of the eastern half of the United States with produce, tractors are crisscrossing bean and cabbage fields, plowing perfectly ripe vegetables back into the soil. After weeks of concern about shortages in grocery stores and mad scrambles to find the last box of pasta or toilet paper roll, many of the nation's largest farms are struggling with another ghastly effect of the pandemic. They are being forced to destroy tens of millions of pounds of fresh food that they can no longer sell. There are lots of reasons for this. It's not just because people were not going to the store. It's because restaurants, hotels schools, etc., which buy a lot of produce, a lot of milk, a lot of eggs, were shutting down. 
Restaurants were closed. Hotels were even closing. Schools were closing. And that left farmers with nobody to buy their product. And even when, you know, things started to take a turn and places started to open back up, people were a little reluctant to go directly back to those businesses because they could still get sick. So they still weren't able to sell the amount of product they were selling before. So they scaled back production. And as a result of that, when things really opened back up and people started to go back out, the level of production and distribution was not what it was before, although the demand was there. So you started seeing shortages. Now, I'm not by any means an economics major. I don't fully understand the entirety of the the economic system. I doubt that there's anybody alive who fully understands it. But I do understand basic things, very, very basic things, as what I just explained to you. And I do understand patterns in history and patterns in the present over just a few years that can show us that it's not because of a virus, obviously, that businesses shut down. It's because of government policy. It's because of fear. It's because of psychology that businesses, schools, etc. shut down. And that resulted in there not being enough demand for, let's say, a farmer who's growing vegetables or a dairy farmer, etc., to produce a product. So they have all of this product that they've typically been producing, but because there's no demand, they have nothing to do with it. They can't do anything with it, so they they plow it back into the ground or they dump it out or they smash the eggs. Now we're in a position where there isn't enough availability of certain products like eggs, so prices have gone through the proverbial roof. Now, if you know me and you know the secret teachings, you know that I don't eat eggs, I don't eat dairy, I don't eat animal products. There's a lot of reasons for that. So I don't see this directly myself. I don't go to the store and try to buy a buy a carton of eggs. I don't go to try to buy a gallon of milk. I haven't done that in over a decade, so I don't really kind of know what that's like. But my fiance, she she's a manager at a at an organic grocery store and she gets to see firsthand how the egg and the milk, but mostly the egg situation works. And I've been into her grocery store recently a couple times, and everybody who works there, everybody knows that, you know, the customers are crazy about the eggs. People come into the store, and they literally, like, don't know what to do if there's no eggs available. Like, what am I supposed to eat then? And it's like, really? You don't, you don't, you only eat eggs? You don't eat anything else? So on one level, and I've said this before, in fact, when I was working at a little organic grocery store back in New York when I was living there, I, I was just astounded that people would come into the store and it's because they watched the news or because we didn't have a fro. In one case, this guy wanted a frozen burrito and we didn't have that frozen burrito. And he asks me, what am I supposed to eat? It's a grown adult male who asked me what he's supposed to eat because they didn't have his one frozen burrito flavor that he liked. And I said, you're literally in a grocery store. There's food everywhere. But he didn't know what to do because that's what he's used to eating. You take away the eggs, they're such a staple, people don't know what to do. Now, obviously, there's other food available. We have a, a massive abundance of food, despite the fact that there are price increases or shortages of, cer- of certain things. But we have so much food, we really don't know what to do with it. And in fact, here in the U.S., long before the so-called pandemic, it's about 40% of what we buy, we end up throwing out. That includes milk. 
that includes eggs, that includes vegetables. We already were throwing a lot of this stuff out long before the pandemic, long before farmers started to pour, smash, and plow these products back to where they came from. We've always had such an abundance of food, we don't know what to do with it. Now, I want to tell you a story that takes us back into history really quick. And it's in regard to all of these things I just described to you. In the 1950s, when Mao took over China, and if you don't know this story, it's fascinating and you should definitely learn about it. Mao took over China in the late 40s into the early 50s. The Communist Party became the dominant political class, the ruling class of China. And they began their rule by, one, terrorizing the people and getting them to submit to the new communist rule, which included collectivization of everything. Now, China was doing pretty good before the communists took over. Most people were farmers and villages, very rural-like communities. They had obviously had big cities, but a lot of, lot of farmers. And they didn't have a food problem, a food shortage issue, until the communists took over. Because when the communists took over, and they literally forced people to collectivize their farms, they also took people that didn't know how to farm and forced them to be farmers. They took people who knew how to farm and forced them into other occupations. And so obviously, if you take someone who doesn't know how to farm and you put them on a farm and you force them to farm, a couple of things happen. One, even if they can maybe get the seeds into the ground, they have no idea what they're doing. So you're going to maybe get a little bit of product, but it's going to be wholly insufficient and you're not going to get very much of that product. And so what happened was the Communist Party, where they put their little cadres into different villages and communities, those officials who were local, they would be in severe trouble. They would be possibly even killed themselves if they couldn't get production to a certain level in their, in their area. So what would happen in that case is if you'd had a, farm, a bunch of farms that weren't really producing anything because you put people in charge of farming who didn't know how to farm because they called it equality, well, they would just make up the numbers. And whatever was produced would just get shipped off to the capital. It would get shipped off to the communist headquarters. So what would happen if you didn't have enough food, the, the cadres would just make up numbers. And this was happening all over the country. So there was a little bit being produced, much less than what was being produced before the revolution. All that that food, for the most part, was going to the capital, just like in the Soviet Union. And people began to starve to death. And on the surface, it was because not enough was being produced, and what was being produced was taken to the capital. The other reason people started to starve to death was because the numbers were fabricated. And this is how these kinds of systems typically work. The people at the top didn't necessarily know what was going on at the bottom. And they furthermore didn't care. They were being fed, so that's all that mattered. But because you couldn't say that the system didn't work, everybody started making up these numbers about how great production was. So then the party kept saying, well, we want more production. We, we, we already have done this amount of numbers or this amount of produce or product or whatever it is. We want more than that. Double it, triple it, quadruple it. So they kept doing that to the numbers, but nothing was being produced. So people started starving to death. And it's estimated that during what is called Mao's famine, 
something you won't hear about because your professors are too busy uh, talking to you about Hitler. Mao's famine killed an estimated, this is a conservative estimate, 45 million people. 45 million people died indiscriminately as a result of direct consequence of the actions and decisions of the Communist Party of China and Mao's, mostly Mao's personal decisions and, and uh, ideas that killed 45 million people. Now, let's just let's put that into perspective quickly before we come back to the present day. They always tell you that Hitler killed 11 million people, right? So you're going to have to double that. Then you're going to have to triple that. Then you have to quadruple that. Mao killed four times as many people plus from indiscriminate policy during times of relative peace. There wasn't even a war going on. Then, a decade plus later, we get into the 1960s, and then we have the Cultural Revolution. The Cultural Revolution was class warfare. It was restructuring society. It was pitting groups against each other. Kind of sounds similar to what's happening today in the United States and around the world. It's basically what people call wokeism, class war. It's basically what we call today. It's, it's race-ism, sex-ism, genderism, all of these ideas. And when you didn't conform to what the party wanted you to conform to, usually you ended up beaten. You might have to apologize and attend a struggle session where you're urinated on, feces is thrown at you, you're beaten some more, and then at the end you might just be killed anyway. And the Cultural Revolution was run by young, usually very young, sometimes younger than 10 years old, but young people that felt disenfranchised by their parents' generation And so they went out and were given authority to literally rape people, burn people's houses down, take people's whatever. If anybody had any personal possessions left anyway, they were able to take those personal possessions. They were literally able to do anything they wanted in the name of equality. This is all very well documented history. These people were called Red Guards. They tore down statues. They burned books. They intimidated and made people afraid of not conforming. Even if they were conforming, the party itself routinely purged members of the inner party, even if they were good communists. Now, it was not a fully communist system, or it would have collapsed a lot earlier than it did, but it had very strong communist overtones to it, especially the collectivization part, which is what led to Mao's famine, It's what led to the inability of the Chinese to produce anything, not just food, but all of their tools, all of their equipment, all of their infrastructure started to fall apart because nobody was there to maintain it. And the people that were there to maintain it or to build it didn't know what they were doing. And they call that equality because, well, you can't have this person doing this. This person should be doing this. The state wanted to tell you what job you should do. And not based on any kind of algorithm or test. They just told you, no, you're a farmer. We don't like that. You're going to be in metallurgy now. You're going to make uh, you're going to make bread now. Well, I don't know how to bake. Doesn't matter. Get in there and bake. 
but I don't know how to bake. Get in there and bake, or we're going to slit your throat. That's li- this is literally what happened in China. And they've taken the Chinese model of excellence as it has existed culturally, uh, philosophically, spiritually, over generations, over thousands of years, and they've stripped spirituality and art and beauty out of China. It's almost as if what's happening in China over the past 75 years is a very satanic and very demonic, uh, let's call it force or energy that has removed the human components, the human element from Chinese society. It's very much the the opposite of, 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 of life and creativity and progress. Now, because this is what the Communist Party did, they had to eventually resort to, if they wanted to be uh, productive in any capacity, they had to resort in some way back into the more nationalistic um, state so that they could continue to, to, um, to survive in the face of what otherwise would be total and absolute collapse. So 45 million people died, and then tens of millions died as a result of the Cultural Revolution. A million died just from, from the Red Guards alone, it's estimated. I mean, Mao's reign of terror killed roughly 60-something million people. And they don't tell you that in school because they want you to think that Mao was a great guy and communism is so beautiful and wonderful and it's your revolution is, is uh, the apex of civilization. It's usually young people that are brainwashed to think this. So China actually had to go to the Russians. And when China went to Russia, Stalin didn't necessarily even like Mao. So Russia was very reluctant on giving the Chinese food or giving the Chinese equipment of any kind for anything military or otherwise. He, he, Stalin did it. It was just he was really reluctant to doing it when you read about the historical record of all this. So as a result of that, China was making subpar products and nobody really wanted anything that was Chinese because it was all it was below par and people that were making products didn't even know what they were doing. So things would break. Things were cheap. And, and just they didn't have any standard of quality to them. And this is the same kind of a thing you see today, right? Cheap labor, subpar to just garbage products, and they just pump it out, pump it out, pump it out, pump it out, pump it out. Now, that's certainly on the surface, it's a, it's a waste of resources to put all this time and energy into making things that don't last. It's also a corporate model because you want people to continue to buy things and have to buy them again and again and again and again. The one thing I think that goes overlooked about the communist revolution in China, though, is the, the element of waste. Uh, they wasted not just food and farm equipment. They wasted decades of opportunity of, of cultural and spiritual and political and economic and you name it, development. They also, in the 1950s, wasted a bunch of medicine, a bunch of medical supplies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because the Chinese government told the people that there were viruses circulating that were being spread by the Americans. This is real in 1952. So they told people, you have to wear a mask, you have to social distance, you have to stay in your homes. And if you want to leave your homes, you need to take this drug or this, at the time, what they called a vaccine. 
sound kind of familiar. I don't know, it sounds like 2020, 2021 to me, but it was actually 1950. And then the Communist Party later said, yes, we made that all up. It wasn't true. Nobody released a plague on China. Sounds really familiar to what's happening today. So I tell you all that history because at the root of the Chinese Communist Revolution or the Communist Revolution of China is waste, incompetence, negligence, indiscriminate murder, indiscriminate discrimination, making everybody discriminate against each other, hate each other, attack each other. My neighbor has one thing more than me. They own a a spoon. I don't have a spoon. Take their spoon from them. It's not equal. It's not equitable. This is the history of it. Now let's fast forward back to the present day. 2020. Milk, eggs, vegetables, poured out, smashed, and plowed back into the ground because nobody was was able to, to purchase them. Businesses were shut down. Now you fast forward a little bit past that and up until relatively recently, and it's not because of a pandemic, because businesses are opening back up. It's 2022, in mid-2022, a bunch of food manufacturing processing plants started to to uh, mysteriously be hit by planes, go up in flames, and this led to more shortages of products. Just when companies were getting back on track, just when people were going out to, to, uh, to buy things, again, like they were pre-pandemic. And then recently we've seen that there was an egg farm, or I guess you could call it a, a fowl farm, a bird farm, uh, egg producers though, Hillendale Farms in Connecticut that went up in flames in late January. And a recent story in New Zealand, 50,000 hens killed in a fire at a farm in New Zealand at the Ziegold Farm. This was just yesterday morning, Monday morning, 50,000 hens. And the other fire in Connecticut, it was something like 100,000 hens ended up dead. And this is, all, this is during a time when we already have these, these egg shortages, quote-unquote. Now, what led to all of this? Negligent, incompetent, fear-based, control-based policies of the pandemic which led farmers to destroy their products because everything was forced to be shut down. And then when businesses start to open back up and people start to go out and to buy things again and function like normal, suddenly food manufacturers, food processors, etc., start having physical problems at their facilities, fires, plane crashes, etc. And then eggs become more scarce and more expensive. This is very similar to what happened in China in the 1950s. Slightly different. It's more modernized, but very, very, very similar. I know a lot of people are afraid of nuclear war at the end of all of this, but I don't think nuclear war is really a threat. I think the real threat, it's not so much that Chinese spy balloon, but the real threat is encompassed in what that spy balloon represents. It's encompassed in these perceived or otherwise food shortages. I'm going to tell you what that is when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. Don't go anywhere. 
It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Dot Radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash the secret teachings. Hey there, it's Ryan Gable. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Dot Radio. I don't need it. And for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. I don't need it. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. I definitely don't need it. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. I need support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. I have a great example here of what I was describing in the first segment. I told you about how the local village leaders in China in the early 1950s were forced because they were also afraid of what would happen to them, even though they were part of the Communist Party. They were forced to make up numbers, totally fictitious numbers, to let the Communist government know how great their policies were working on the local level, how great collectivization was, where they would take a horse, and since everybody in the village didn't own the horse, just one person owned the horse, they would kill the horse and then distribute the body parts equally among the people of the village. Now everybody gets a part of the horse. It's equal in its fairness. I'm not joking about that. There are stories actually like that, cases documented like that, This actually happened in China. That was part of the collectivization process. Maybe there was a woman a couple guys wanted to have sex with. Well, you just kill her and then chop her into pieces. Everybody gets a piece. That's how it works. That's how communism, that's how equality work. So here's a great example of how the the fictitious number game, how it worked then and how it works now. Made up numbers. The more made up the numbers became, the more people starved to death. Here's another example of that. USA Facts. USA Facts posted this on Twitter, usafacts.org. It says, everyone has opinions. Ground yours in facts. Understand the trends that will impact the economy, population, environment, and more in 2023. 
So they give us the State of the Union numbers. And what are the State of the Union numbers for violent crime? Well, according to USAFacts.org, these are facts, folks. Facts. The violent crime rate decreased 1.7% in 2020 after a 4.6% increase, 4.6% increase in 2020. Now, why did the crime rate skyrocket? 4.6% is a big spike in crime. Why did it skyrocket in 2020? Probably because most people were afraid to do anything, to go outside of their homes. Probably because Drug addicts, criminals, and homeless people weren't kept to the same standards as the rest of us. They didn't have to wear masks, or they didn't have to get tested or get vaccines or any of that. Probably because while you were inside, the borders were left wide open, and people were brought into the country by the tens of thousands to millions in these time frames up until today. Probably because police forces were being defunded, and all of these things combined, some more than others, led to a massive spike in criminal activity. Also, when you don't prosecute criminals, you incentivize crime. You also de-incentivize good behavior, because what's the point? You incentivize crime. So those numbers spiked 4.6%. It's not the biggest spike ever, but it was a pretty big spike. And it became visible in a lot of places. Chicago got worse. Cities here like Tucson, Arizona. I've seen it get worse in the last year. When I lived here in 2017, it was nothing like it is now. And that's because they've coddled criminals. And you've seen this all across the country. So crime went up 4.6% in 2020. Now, you can't... Just like in China, you can't say that's because of the current administration or that's because of similar policies at the state or at the local level. It can't be the policy. It can't be the party. The party is never wrong. Communists are never wrong. Socialists are never wrong. Liberals are never wrong. Unfortunately, you know, I'm a classical liberal, but I don't know what happened to liberals today. They basically became Marxists, but Marxists can never be wrong. So as a result of the 4.6% increase, that would sound really bad. So in 2021, the numbers actually decreased by 1.7%. And usafacts.org says, make sure you get your facts right, okay? The crime rate has decreased 1.7%. So what do you have to say about that, conservatives? What do you have to say about that, Republicans? What do you have to say about that, GOP? As if those are the only people that care about crime. I'm not a Republican. I care about crime. Crime's always a big issue. I want to feel safe in my city, etc. So you clearly see the problem here. A 4.6% increase and then a 1.7% decrease. Look, crime is going down. Crime is going down but it's still higher than it was in previous years. And it's been sustained at that higher number. You see what I mean? Same thing with gas prices. Gas prices go to $4 a gallon plus. And then the White House constantly tells you, 
we got gas prices down to $3 a gallon. Okay, but it's still a dollar more than what it was on average a year prior to those gas prices going up to four something a gallon on average. I mean, that's literally gaslighting you. This is what the local communist leaders did in the villages and the rural communities in China in the early 1950s. There's barely any food. The people couldn't even, at, at one point, when things got really bad, people couldn't even keep a little bit of food for themselves. The local communist leaders would come in and rip the house apart. People started eating straw, like the roofs of their houses. They started eating mud. Tens of thousands of people died from th- this reason alone. There was no food. All of it went to the Communist Party. And then at, at, at some point, they finally realized they're not even getting the same amount of food. There's literally no food. They've destroyed production. They have to revert back to more nationalistic tendencies so that there's food to even feed, like basic necessities to even keep this, the, the country functioning. But at that point, it still wasn't communism. They blamed it on the old, which is, doesn't make any sense. They blamed it on the old nationalistic tendencies. It's your fault for hoarding the food. It's your fault as a peasant. It was the old nationalist government. That's the reason there isn't enough food today. Doesn't that sound kind of similar, kind of familiar? I mean, I've, I've heard the news over the last couple of days talking about how the spy balloon from China that was over the United States, how that spy balloon, and we're going to get into the details of this in a little bit, how that spy balloon wasn't really a, a misfire for Joe Biden. It was actually Donald Trump's fault. Literally, I read an article about this. It was Trump's fault for the balloon because this also happened during his administration. So it's his fault. I mean, it, it, these lies aren't even good lies. They don't make any sense. Gas prices go up to $4 a gallon. They double and then they bring them down a dollar and tell you we're helping you get prices lower. Violent crime goes up 4.6%. And it's these are totally fictitious numbers anyway. But they tell you we got it down 1.7%. Okay, well, it's still up several percentage points. Shut up, racist. This is exactly what the communists did in the countryside in China. They made up numbers and they continued to make up numbers to the point where nothing was based in reality. It was all fabricated. It was all made up on a piece of paper. And when they finally recognized there was a problem, there isn't enough food, what did the Communist Party do? They blamed the old government. They blamed the peasants, the poorest of the poor, and said it's your fault for hoarding the food and not giving Mao his share. You see the same thing happening today? It's Putin's fault for gas prices. It's, it's the GOP's fault for rising crime. They put up these studies. It's red states that have the highest crime. Actually, it's blue cities that don't prosecute criminals that let them run wild, that incentivize crime and de-incentivize good civil behavior. Those are the cities where the crime is highest, and then it makes the whole state look like it's riddled with crime. Like if you look at Oregon, or even New York for that matter, the whole state's red. It's just the big cities. That's where all the crime is. But no, no, they got the crime down 1.7%. They got gas prices down a whole dollar on average. Huh. 
They really are looking out for you, aren't they? No, this is the same manipulation of reality. This is the same communist-style management that ran China into the ground. And then when they finally admitted there was a problem, it wasn't because of their policies. It wasn't because of their government or their governing their government. It was because of, well, the old guard. It was because of the people who were the poorest. And then it was also, of course, the fault of the older generations. Doesn't that sound kind of familiar to what's happening today? It's the fault of your parents and grandparents. They just want to drive expensive cars that are gas guzzlers. It's the fault of your parents why the climate is changing. It's the fault of your parents and those old GOP Republicans that crime rates are up and gas prices are up and it's Putin's fault. They, they export every potentiality to take responsibility, to change things and to make things better. But it works because they just keep telling you, we got the numbers down. We did this and the average person is too busy to realize yeah, but you're also responsible for those numbers going up. And although they came down a little bit, they're still higher than they were before. And this is this is how I mean, this is how every grocery store works, right? You get, let's say, um, a, 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 I don't know, like a three dollar. What are blueberries or something like three ninety nine? They're like four dollars, right? And then they'll increase the price temporarily, and then they'll run a sale, and then you pay like Target does this famously. You literally are paying the exact same price, but they slap a tag that says it's on sale for, for, for the same price, you know, or buy two. You get them for $3.99 each if you buy two. Well, they've always been $3.99 each. So this is what's happening. Crime, gas, you name it. And just like that New York Times article back in early 2020, the dumped milk smashed eggs, the plowed vegetables. We've always wasted a lot of food here in the States, about 40% of what we buy. We have so much, we don't know what to do with it. But as a result of shutting down society, farmers did not know what to do with their product, so they destroyed it. And then as a result of that, when things got back to what we can call normal, there wasn't enough product. Production had been scaled back takes many months, a couple years to get everything back up and running. And as farmers have tried to adapt to costs, have tried to adapt because inflation is part of this issue, have tried to adapt to cost and get back up to, to functioning like they were before the pandemic, when we had a much larger uh, abundance, a much larger cornucopia, suddenly these facilities start to erupt in flames and get hit by planes and so many of them over such a short period of time, from meat to oil to potato chips, that it just becomes really suspicious. And then when you start hearing about eggs and egg prices, I'm not an egg person myself, but I hear all about the egg situation with all the grocery stores I go to. People come in, people panic, people get aggressive about their eggs. Then when we find out that we have an egg shortage and egg prices are up, and there's a lot of reasons for this. It's not the pandemic. It's the policies we implemented because of the, the pandemic or because of what we thought was, you know, was going to be the end of the world. This led to shortages and it led to a lot of waste. We waste a lot of products. Then we have shortages. And then when farmers are trying to, to make up the difference, suddenly fires and planes and explosions start rocking the food industry. 
On January 31st, Hillendale Farms in Connecticut went up in flames. 100,000 hens dead, according to the Department of Agriculture. You can see some of the videos on social media and online if you type in the name of the farm. Hillendale, H-I-L-L-A-N-D-A-L-E, Hillendale Farms in Bozra, Connecticut. One of the largest egg producers in the country. Not a small farm, but one of the biggest. Just like the biggest meat, the biggest oil, the biggest snack food, all these companies that have gone up in flames. Some of them are functioning once again. Others, it stalled production and distribution. 100,000 hens dead. When's the last time you remember seeing a story like this prior to 2020? And when's the last time you remember seeing successive stories, one after another? Just a few days after that Connecticut fire, one of the largest, if not the largest, egg producer in New Zealand. That producer, well, they also lost a bunch of hens. How many? Well, not 10 or 15 or 20. They estimated 50,000 hens. A fire at Zeegold Farm broke out on Monday morning. This was yesterday. Took most of the day, according to a spokesperson for the company, to contain. Twelve workers were on site. They were unharmed by the fire, but the hens were not. Work was underway to assess how many hens had died. They estimated 75,000. They've revised that to 50,000. According to The Guardian, the fire may have ripple effects beyond the immediate demise of the hens with concerns it may worsen a national scarcity of eggs. So we dumped out the milk, we smashed the eggs, and we plowed the vegetables. That's what the communists told us to do. That's what they demanded because of the fear of a virus. Then when people start to open their businesses back up and farmers have this demand again for their product, they had scaled back so much. And now as a result of inflation, because of a lot of financial problems, people not working, people not producing, you see the value of money goes away pretty quick. And so does the production of products. It goes away pretty quick when you're not producing it. So you can't sit on your ass all day and collect a bunch of free stuff and get to live in that house on your ass doing whatever it is that you do all day. If you don't work and you don't produce something, things dry up really, really quickly. That's why socialism doesn't work. So, as a result of this, economic problems and destroying all these products because there was no demand, now when people go back out to get them and businesses start to open back up, the scaling back and the inflation and economic problems leads there to be more scarcity. And this time, it's not necessarily a result of directly smashing products and destroying products. It's a result of there just not being the product. It doesn't exist because it hasn't been produced. I mean, we were killing chickens. We were killing beef cattle. We were destroying vegetables. This is literally what the Communist Party did to the poor people of China for decades. They destroyed agriculture. They destroyed their industry and they blamed it on the former government and older people 
even if they were happy to be communists. They blamed it on older people. It was the old people's fault. It was the old government's fault. It's your old ideas of the old world, traditions and customs and culture, habits, etc. So Mao said, we have to destroy these things. And he initiated a policy called the four olds. Old ideas, old culture, old customs, old habits, they all have to be eliminated. And now we have rising prices because of inflation already, but because there aren't enough people and product and people to create that product and distribute that product. So you get higher prices and you get smaller selection. Now in the United States, we have so much, we still have a pretty big selection, but this is the introductory phase to Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea, China, the introduction phase. This is where you get introduced to having less and in fact, having nothing and you better be happy about it or you'll end up in a gulag. That's where we're at right now. Dumped milk, smashed eggs, plowed vegetables, crumbling infrastructure. There was also that whole port issue. Remember the port issue where you had the ships held at port? Oh, because of COVID. But people could run across the border. That was okay. As long as you'll vote for Democrats, it's okay if you run across the border. I know people hear me say that and they think you must be a Republican. I'm not a Republican. I just make that comment because liberals and Democrats are out of their GD minds. They're crazy. They make no sense. They're hysterical. They're rabid. They're basically red guards, especially the young people. Activists, activists today are just red guards that tear down everything in the name of the the new Soviet man, in the name of the revolution. So with all of these issues, we can turn our attention to the, quote, Chinese spy balloon. Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of specifics, a lot of particulars about that story, about the balloon we're going to get into in the second hour tonight. But just the idea of that, of that balloon, a spy balloon making its way across the United States. If you don't know this story, it's a pretty disturbing story, pretty fascinating story. We'll talk about, again, the details in the second hour. But in, in essence, a, a balloon made its way into the United States over Idaho, Montana, over sensitive installations, you know, took photographs, video, God knows what it acquired. And it made its way all the way across the country over several days. And then finally out over the Atlantic Ocean where it was shot down. I've heard lots of theories about it. Lots of opinions. People have emailed me and asked me what I've thought. I'll tell you my first thought. My first thought is if the excuse is to not shoot it down because it could harm somebody on the ground, I find that to be a ludicrous excuse. I find that to be a ludicrous excuse because you can calculate a booster engine, a, bu a booster rocket, uh, a booster uh, uh, fuel tank from a space shuttle, where that's going to land precisely. You can calculate when Apophis is going to pass near the Earth Asteroids millions of miles away, rockets traveling at thousands of miles an hour. You can estimate where these things are going to land, where they're going to pass by. You know, you can estimate and you can uh, you can uh, kind of assume that 
you know, a, a 10 year old who gets their breasts removed, that they're, they're never going to regret that by the time they're 25 or 30 or even 20. You can estimate all these things. You just can't estimate where a balloon might land after you shoot it down. It's kind of strange that they can't make that estimation. So they let it travel across the country, just a whole cross-country trip, photographing, videoing, God knows what, and transmitting that all back to, to China. Now that's kind of on the surface what it, what it sounds like. My second thought is, if there was any potentiality that China, let's say, could be using that balloon to isolate targets and then to, to, to know what those targets are, where they are, you know, et cetera, so that they could maybe, uh, you know, attack the United States physically, I think blowing the balloon up, even if it does some damage to civilians, you know, it maybe it lands on a house. It's unfortunate, but I mean, that's usually the military's excuse, right? Kill a few people to save a lot of people. Suddenly, they don't want to put anybody into harm's way. They just want to allow this balloon to go over the country. Like if there was the potentiality that that balloon could be targeting certain sites and maybe China was going to, to, to attack those sites, might be a better idea to just shoot it down. But instead they say, no, we don't want to hurt civilians. We don't want to provoke anything with China. And that's a stupid statement. Why would provoke anything with China? How would you provoke something with China? You, you, you allow them access to everything from our energy grid to our agricultural sector. They own farmland. They can send us, you know, material and build things for us for our power grid. They, they do. How would we provoke something with China by shooting a balloon down? We, we work with China intimately. And likewise, China's not going to start something with us physically because they're, they're just a giant communist leech sucking the life out of our country. There's, there's really no threat of, of war in that way. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not afraid of a nuclear war, at least with, with China. I don't think that anything like that's going to happen. China's not going to invade the United States. They want our infrastructure. They want our wealth. They want our resources. They spy on us because they are stealing technology. They are stealing information because they have such a collectivized, one-size-fits-all mindset in China. The average person does. They're like drones. Sadly, they're like drones. Generations of having this beaten into those people have turned them into robots that only respond when prompts are entered from the party. So they're not going to physically attack the United States. They're using this technology to gather information about us so they can mimic what we do. They do this in universities. They do this in energy. They do this in agriculture. They do this in the military. They do this in everything because they don't have any innovation, any outlook, any creativity doesn't exist. And what China has become in the positive sense of progress is because of largely what they've stolen from other countries. So that's what concerns me about that, that balloon. It's just an, a continuation of the theft that China engages in because their citizens are drones that don't produce anything, that can't produce anything new. And it's not just balloons, obviously. We've talked about the 100 Talents program. We've talked about the hacking 
before. Secret agents, honeypot traps. Remember Eric Swallows well with Fang Fang? I mean, it's drivers for, what was the, the lady from California? Not, it's not Nancy Pelosi uh, Feinstein. She had like a communist spy driver for her vehicle. Academia, the 100 Talents program, it's everywhere. They're stealing intellect, energy, etc. They're stealing potential. And with everything we've discussed tonight, potential, I think, really is the, is the key word. Because with the egg shortage, all the egg problems, you know, the egg itself represents potential, potentiality. Almost like Schrodinger's cat in a way as well. When we come back from break, I'm going to tell you more about the, the balloon and also about the, the egg and the potentiality of the egg and what that represents esoterically. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. From the occult and theology to history and the paranormal, The Secret Teachings Radio Show brings you that and more Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking to learn more in 2023, then look no further than books from The Secret Teachings. The Technological Elixir explores UFOs, artificial intelligence, and demonic contracts in the entertainment industry. Liberty Shrugged is an illuminating and nonpartisan look into American history, focusing on natural law, slavery, and the war for independence. Food philosophy is not a diet book, but it does help alleviate confusion over food industry propaganda with specific focus on bizarre ingredients that are put into your foods. And Occult Arcana is a compendium of esoteric wisdom, from theology and sympathetic magic to witchcraft, voodoo, and the origins of holidays. Get physical and digital copies of these books only at www.thesecretteachings.info. And remember, all physical books also come with a digital copy as well. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio and for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. Your support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is Laura. I'm from Las Vegas, and I listen to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable because he never fails to provide us with great information from various topics on which he's done extensive and thorough research to back them. Thank you for all that you do and all your hard work, Ryan, and thank you for sharing it with the rest of us. This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Why else would you show up with that thing on your back just three days before President Business is going to use the crackle to end the world? President Business is going to end the world? But he's such a good guy. And Octan, they make good stuff. Music, dairy products, coffee, TV shows, surveillance systems, all history books, voting machines. Wait a minute. Welcome to the darkness. I hope you find it enlightening. Think about your hero. When you're at ground zero And crawl up to the fall Back to me 
attention. You are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. listening to the secret teachings radio i'm your host ryan gable thank you for joining us tonight this morning whenever and wherever you are listening around the world you can always listen to the secret teachings on any radio or podcast player or app where many of you might be listening right now you can leave us a review to support the show let other people know what you think give us a couple of stars so other people might tune in and learn something new or you can download the show just as well as you can stream it. And when you download it or stream it for free, we get paid by the advertisers from Spreaker, the service we use. Or you can go to our website and subscribe to the ad-free archive. No advertisements. You get my montages, my books, and a private RSS feed, www.thesecretteachings.info. You can also buy my books physically, separately, on the website as well. Again, www.thesecretteachings.info. Info. So in 2020, we learned that milk and eggs and vegetables were being destroyed because there wasn't a demand for them. Businesses were shutting down, businesses were closing down, or at least reducing hours dramatically. So they didn't have a need for these products. And as a result of that, farmers began to not only destroy those products, but they began to scale back production. Then because of economic ruin and because of, well, a little bit of an increase in demand as we started to open back up, farmers couldn't produce at the same level or the same rate that they were before. So we started to have shortages of products when we started paying attention and opening our eyes and also opening our businesses back up, we started to have shortages. And what was available, even though we have an abundance of stuff here in the States, was much more expensive. And then as we continue to give hundreds of billions of dollars away, like it's Halloween candy, that mixed with lack of faith in economic institutions and the market and people not buying things and not being able to afford to even live for that matter and cutbacks in in, uh, a lot of areas of life, plus the government's forcing of of energy producers to scale back the production of energy because of climate change and prices going through the roof for everything. You need energy to produce food and products, etc. Things have become as bad or worse than they've been in 40 plus years in terms of inflation. And gas prices have more than doubled. But they tell you that gas prices are down and they tell you that violent crime or crime in general is down. But what they neglect to tell you is gas prices went up two something dollars on average and they come down a dollar. Crime goes up 4.6% in 2020 and then it comes down 1.7%. So they got crime down, they got gas down. Prices for gas are still higher than they were before. Violent crime and crime in general is still higher than it was before. But they got the prices down. They're heroes. They're economic geniuses, masterminds of the economic system. And when it is addressed that this is a problem, 
somebody else's fault. It's Putin's fault. It's the GOP's fault. It's because of all the Nazis, white supremacists, even though these prices typically hit the poorest, which are black, Hispanic, white, and everybody else. Doesn't matter what the color of your skin is or what the color of your your skin uh, you might perceive it to be. The poorest people are going to be hit the hardest, and they tend to be people that don't have white skin. And there are a lot of people that have white skin that are hit the hardest. But they tell us they're doing these things like climate policies to help the minorities and to help the, the poor people. It actually makes everybody much more poor, though. Gas prices, the crime rates, they always offset responsibility. They put it on somebody else. They export it to somebody else. Now, this is exactly what happened in China in the 50s. What happened to the producing, productive Chinese people and their beautiful culture, it was stomped into the ground. Things went to waste. People who didn't know how to do certain jobs were forced to do those jobs. They were taken from jobs they did know how to do. Every piece of equipment, every item was collectivized. Nobody had any incentive to take care of anything. Nothing else was produced. And what was produced was less than par, cheap garbage. And China developed the reputation that they have today. And it took generations of murdering people and starving people to death. And then the realization that this system doesn't work but we can't admit that the party was wrong, so we have to blame it on somebody else. So it was the nationalists, it was the old people, it was the Americans at one point. It's, it's everybody else's fault. It's not because communism doesn't work. And you can't actually try real communism because, you know, eventually the, the system completely and absolutely collapses because there's no food, there's nothing, nothing exists. You haven't produced anything, the whole system collapses. So, understanding that idea, now that the Communist Party, they would make up numbers, you know, about, like in our case, crime and gas, they'd make up numbers about food production. And that's what led to the indiscriminate murder of 45 million people because of government policy. 45 million people starved to death in Mao's China over a relatively short period of time, too. So, they make up the numbers. They make up the percentages. It's all fabricated. It's all made up. It's all an illusion, Right. Now, today, we have shortages of a lot of things. One big issue is, is eggs. A lot, of, a lot of egg shortages and the price of eggs are going up and going up and going up. Very expensive. Now, I don't buy eggs myself, so I don't really feel the, the pain here. But I see other people, they go buy their eggs. And I, I've taken a look at egg prices at the store. And it's like $10 for 12 eggs, like a dollar an egg, basically go out to a restaurant, I don't go out and buy eggs, but I imagine the cost of, you know, a scrambled egg or a, uh, what do they call it, a, like an omelet. I don't, I don't eat these things, but I'd imagine that omelets and stuff like that are much more expensive if you go out to eat now because the eggs, 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 eggs. I don't really have the perspective on this because I don't eat eggs, but a lot of people, most people do eat eggs, so this is a big problem. Now, the problem with the the egg shortage is compounded by the fact that in the last week and a half 
two major producers of eggs have seen their facilities erupt in flames. This is not a conspiracy theory. The Department of Agriculture confirmed here in the States that 100,000 hens died after a fire broke out at the Hillendale Farms in Bozra, Connecticut. 100,000 hens. This was reported January 31st. It's a lot of hens, a lot of eggs. One of the largest producers of eggs in the United States. Now, if we just saw a small little facility with maybe like 300, 500 hens or something like that, and there was a fire, and maybe they saved a couple of the birds and it would be maybe maybe suspicious, but it wouldn't be as big of a deal if it wasn't one of the biggest egg producers in the country. In the same way, when we had a consistent reporting of food processors, food manufacturers, uh, you name it, General Mills, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the giant meat producer, uh, J, J something, JB something, all these facilities that just go up in flames, hit by planes. We've talked about that in the past. Now we have the, the, the egg producers. And it's all the top. It's the top producers of oil, meat, uh, potato chips, you name it. Top producers, top producers, top producers, the biggest facilities, potatoes, etc. Same thing just happened in New Zealand, literally in the last 24 or so hours. New Zealand's largest egg producer lost an estimated 50,000 to 75,000, they, they think 50,000 hens, at the Ziegold Farm after a fire broke out. When's the last time you saw the consistency of these kinds of things happening? Just over and over and over again. One or two, maybe even three. Maybe a coincidence, but when you get a dozen, a baker's dozen, 20, you get two dozen. I mean, we're up to like almost 30 now from meat to eggs to snacks to potatoes. Everything. Not only going up in price, but going up in flames. It's like the whole system is being burned down. And we got there because we wasted a lot of resources. We wasted a lot of, of time and energy that could have been used to produce, to make the world a better place, to feed people. Instead, we destroyed those resources. We sabotaged civilization. Now, we're not, again, feeling the same kind of effects here in the States that you might be feeling in some other countries, but we do feel a lot of direct effects. The egg situation might be the worst. People really need their eggs. They really need those eggs. They really want those eggs. People get angry if they don't have the eggs. So they feel it very directly. It's a staple, obviously, for most people. They need their eggs. The egg is like milk or bread. It's a staple. So when they can't get their eggs, they get really upset and they start looking for you know reasons why they can't get their eggs, why eggs are so expensive. More attention, therefore, is being focused on this issue. The Associated Press just reported, they say it's a conspiracy theory, that something in the food supply is affecting the production of eggs because a lot of egg producers 
are having trouble getting more than a few eggs out of one of their birds in a week. When they normally could have one or several a day, they're having trouble getting that in a week. There have been reports of of multiple egg producers having the exact same problem. That's pretty suspicious. It's even more suspicious when two of the largest egg producers in the world, from Connecticut to New Zealand, face the same problem in the same week and a half, at the same two-week period. I mean, it's almost, it's almost exactly a week. Today's the 7th of February. On the 31st of January, one of the largest egg producers in the U.S., in Connecticut, 100,000 birds gone. And then, well, basically a week later, in New Zealand, the largest egg producer, 50,000 hens, gone. That doesn't mean that you're never going to get an egg again. It just means that slowly but surely the waves, that blue wave that they always talk about, that blue wave is just slowly washing over civilization and slowly chipping away at the resources and the wealth, chipping away at your faith in the system so you become angry and want to burn it all down like a red guard, sabotaging and destroying resources and production. And when that happens, people have to become really, really dependent on anything that can provide them with the sustenance they need. This is how communist governments get you to love them. This is how they get you to give everything up in the name of equality. It's not fair other people don't have things. doesn't matter if you worked for those things or made those things. They belong to somebody else. We're going to take them and redistribute them. Crime and gas prices and all these things make you dependent on the people in positions of power, perceptually or otherwise, who have the authority or the ability to make things better. But if they make things better, you don't have any need for them, so they have to make things increasingly worse while telling you that they're better. This is what the local communist agents did in China. Oh, sure, yes, there's plenty of food. People are starving to death as they write that letter to Beijing. But there's lots of food. we got so much food here. And they were threatened, too, if they didn't report these, these very good numbers in the countryside and the farming, with the farming, that uh, you know they might end up in a, in a facility somewhere, in a gulag somewhere. So they had to lie. And then the communists just blamed them or blamed the peasants or blamed uh, the nationalists who were in charge before the Communist Party took over. Isn't that what you see happening today? It's Trump's fault. It's the Republicans' fault. It's always somebody else's fault. It's Putin's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. So the egg crisis or the egg shortage, whatever you choose to call it, it's a big problem. For a lot of reasons. I think one of the reasons that isn't a reason for most people, it's a reason for me that it's a problem because I don't eat eggs, is because so many people don't know what to do without the eggs. That's a very singular, one-track mindset, and that's very, very dangerous. In the grand scheme of things, though, it's an issue because we have the ability to have as many eggs as you want at any meal that you have, any time of the day or night. We should have enough eggs that if you want to eat a dozen of eggs every hour, every day for the rest of your life, if you don't die, you should be able to do it. 
This is 2023. We should be able to put food on the table without having to pay twice what it costs to produce and ship, without having to scramble to try to find a staple product like eggs. You're telling me you just believe it's all coincidence that we just can't figure it out in 2023. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that for one second. Resources have been squandered. Production has been sabotaged. This is about control. It's about resetting the whole system. Now, I don't think that Xi Jinping, the dictator of China that they call a president, I don't think that he is a mastermind behind all of this stuff like a lot of people say about Putin. Putin's the mastermind behind all this all this stuff, and he's working with the, with the Republicans in the United States. None of that makes any sense. But the ideology that Xi represents, the ideology that is Marxism or communism, that ideology has evolved in the last 100 years. It's evolved in the last 50 years. It's evolved in the last 30, 40 years. It's evolved to take into account people's resistance to it. It's evolved to take into account any inoculation against it, partly because they just don't teach it in school. It's evolved to make you like George Orwell wrote uh, about, and Aldous Huxley wrote about. In fact, Aldous Huxley even famously said it. They're working on a method to get you to love your servitude with psychology and drugs and things like that. This ideology has evolved to get you to request it and demand it, even though you know that the consequences can be dire, this is the best system. And it's appealing because you don't really have to, on the surface, for young people, I don't have to work. I can just, I can just, it'll just take care of me. Doesn't obviously work that way, but that's why young people are seduced by it. You call it communism, Marxism, call it whatever you want. It is a it is a system, it is an ideology that is geared at the sabotaging and the destruction of human production. This is what Orwell wrote, right? That's the whole point of war. The whole point of war is the destruction of human production. Will. The, the, the ability to, to produce and to, to progress. To keep you stagnant in constant conflict or what Mao said was perpetual class warfare fighting against each other over things as silly as the pigmentation of your skin. How much money you think your neighbor has. It's not fair my neighbor has an extra skillet, and I don't have a skillet. That's not a silly example. That's actually something that used to happen in rural China. Your neighbor had an extra pot. You didn't have a pot. Well, well guess who was getting beaten to death? Your neighbor. And then maybe they'd break the pot into pieces. Everybody gets a piece of it, because that's equality. It's totally... And absolutely ridiculous. They have to keep you in that state of scarcity and fear. And in order to prevent people from reverting to the old way of doing things, where things actually function, maybe not great, but they at least had food. That's why a lot of people fled the Soviet Union to go to Nazi Germany, because at least there was food. At least there was some pride in the way that people presented themselves. Mal devised a system called the Four Olds. The Four Olds was a system that was aimed at destroying any 
of the ideas that you used to have, the culture you used to have, the customs you used to have, or the habits you used to have, because they had to create what Stalin called a new Soviet man, a new person. The revolution, they said, could lead to that, destroying all of the negative aspects of what it means to be human, creating a perfect utopian society. Well, we've seen that experiment ignited and extinguished over and over and over again in the 20th century and into the 21st century, and it's yet to create utopia. In fact, it just seems to create dystopia. It seems to create oppression and inequality and a separation of of the richest, wealthiest, most powerful people from everybody else. But you can't look into the past. Can't have any ideas, culture, customs, habits, because that means... You might remember what the world used to be like and then resist what's happening to you now. That's why old people have to be eliminated. That's where eugenics comes in. Eliminating the old, controlling the young. Now, this isn't Chinese. This is British. This is, this is American. These are ideologies that, like Adolf Hitler, implemented eugenics uh, ideology or injected it into his platform, his stance, his beliefs, his views. But he got it, admittedly, from the British, from people in the United States. We had states here in America in the early 20th century that were sterilizing you know, their populations. You know where they got their ideas from? If you just keep going back, it's in, in the 1820s, the Democratic Party was founded on the principles of what amount to eugenics that some races were superior to others and others were inferior. Some people had a right to own those people. I mean, this is where the, the whole Jewish question comes into play because everybody wants to argue about Jewish things. Jews control everything or Jews can never do anything bad. It's like in the middle there, there are rabbis just like there are Muslims and imams and, and there are even Christians, I'm sure you can find. A lot of rabbis believe that the Jewish people are the chosen people and they have a right to rule and everybody else should be their slaves. There's rabbis that really believe that. There are Muslim leaders that actually believe that. Everybody else who's not Muslim, they should bow to Islam. Christians should bow to Islam because Islam came after and Islam's superior. It's just fighting about everything. Fighting, fighting, arguing, arguing. It, it promotes violence. It promotes disharmony. Tears everything apart. It rips at the fabric of well, the four olds, your ideas, customs, habits, and culture, it rips the fabric of that to pieces. So you have no basis, no foundation, no background. You don't know who you are, where you're going. So the state determines where you're going to go next. And that brings us from the eggs, from the wasting of resources, the sabotage of production, all things done in China in the 40s and 50s and 60s. It brings us to the present-day Communist Party of China that is only productive because the West has given them, the Henry Kissinger types, has given them much of what they have. They can't produce anything in China that's worth anything. It's worth a damn. They have to take it from other people and steal it from other countries. This is why the Chinese, they don't need a spy balloon to get information out of the United States. That's just one tool. They don't need a spy balloon, though. They can hack. They can infiltrate universities. Honeypot traps. 
satellites, you name it. They don't need some balloon floating through the sky. In 2020, the U.S. Department of Justice charged five Chinese nationals with hacking into the computer networks of more than 100 companies in the U.S. and elsewhere. The hackers, who were believed to remain at large in China, were described as part of an Advanced Persistent Threat 41, Advanced Persistent Threat 41, a cyber attack group that operates with the blessings of the Chinese Communist Party. In 2018, Chinese hackers were accused of stealing secret plans for a supersonic anti-ship missile being developed by the Naval Undersea Warfare Center in Newport, Rhode Island. Chinese hackers have also attempted to steal plans for the American F-35 stealth fighter. According to documents provided by U.S. intelligence contractor Edward Snowden in 2015, you see why they didn't like him. He exposed what was happening. Pentagon and Lockheed Martin Corporation uh, claim that nothing has been stolen. But that doesn't mean the Chinese haven't tried to steal these things and haven't succeeded in stealing other things. As of 2018, China had 120 satellites orbiting the globe to conduct reconnaissance and remote sensing for military, civil, and commercial purposes. According to a 2019 U.S. Air Force report, the People's Liberation Army reportedly owned and operated half of those 120 systems, most of which could support monitoring, tracking, and targeting of U.S. forces, according to the U.S. Air Force. The report says these satellites also allow the PLA, the People's Liberation Army, to maintain situational awareness of China's regional rivals, India, Japan, etc., and potential regional flashpoints, Korea, Taiwan, and the East and South China Seas, quote-unquote. The U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency also released another report discussing how China was developing sophisticated satellite operations to keep their eyes in the sky to spy on anybody and everybody. China has also implemented... Secret agents. Other countries do these things too. China has become infamous for this. In 2020, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo told the New York Post that the Chinese consulate in Manhattan was being used as a major hub of Beijing's espionage program. The State Department has known this. The Chinese even have what are called police stations set up in New York City and other places where they're supposed to be monitoring Chinese nationals but they're using them to spy on and to track Americans. We did a show on this back in 2022, late last year. Then, of course, you have the Chinese spy Fang Fang. You also have the, the driver of, I believe it was off the top of my head, a Dianne Feinstein. Feinstein. They're literally Chinese spies operating within the highest levels of our government. And the list goes on and on and on. Probably the most uh, famous, and this is how they steal a lot of, of, of information, is the in academia. The 100 Talents Program. Accessing, stealing, and reporting back to the Communist Party on new developments, new technologies, etc. Whether that's hacking into military systems or it's doing it through universities. And this is what the Soviet Union said they would do with universities. They couldn't attack the United States head-on or directly wasn't going to be with nuclear weapons, of course. It's just a threat. It's fear that benefited both countries. But they were going to infiltrate the universities to implant their ideology. 
If the Soviets didn't succeed at that, the Chinese certainly have. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More on that, the balloon and the egg, when we come back from break. Don't go anywhere. It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on GroundZero.radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player, or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is David John Knight from ReverseSpeech.com. You are listening to The Secret Teaching with Ron Gable. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. You are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. The music tonight, as with every night, White Bat Audio. You can find them on YouTube. That is White Bat Audio. They do all of our music here for The Secret Teachings. We finally get to that part of the show where we mix the mundane, the physical, with the immaterial, the invisible, with the occult, with the esoteric. Tonight we've been talking about the destruction of resources, the sabotaging of civilization. I've used the examples of the communist takeover of China, the 45 million people who died from the fake numbers and the restructuring and the collectivization, the resetting of rural China in the early 50s, and then the cultural revolution after that that led to millions more dying because of red guards that were destroying the culture, the customs, the traditions, and the habits of the Chinese people what are called the Four Olds, that resulted in, a few generations later, China having virtually none of that. They only are drones or robots or whatever you choose to call them for the party. There are plenty of Chinese people today that aren't like that, though, but the mass majority of China functions along that track. 
There are plenty of journalists and others who have escaped China, plenty of people that monitor and watch the situation from abroad, or some people can get away with uh, getting information out of China. There have been mass protests in China recently. You might remember those about lockdowns and things of that nature. It's a top-down authoritarian government. Communist, sure, but more technocratic nowadays, thanks to what the West has given them. China does a lot of, a lot of espionage for purposes that are not military in nature. China has had to reinvent itself many times in the last 75 or so years. And when China realized that people were starving to death and we weren't producing anything and everything's going to collapse, they had to become more industrial. And they had to put people into jobs who knew what they were doing. So they sort of have have been revised in their their communist beliefs and tendencies over the generations. And obviously realizing communism doesn't work, it leads to mass suffering and chaos and, and death and everything else. They've adopted a more capitalist approach. So they're kind of a hybrid with communist technocratic uh, uh, management, let's call it. One of the ways that China is able to maintain itself is through spying and stealing information from other countries, especially the United States. In 2020, NASA researcher and professor at Texas A&M uh, University, Zheng Dongsheng, was charged when he accepted $750,000 of federal grant money while hiding his affiliation with the Chinese government-run Guangdong University of Technology. The FBI accused him of taking part in Beijing hundreds, uh, or Beijing's 100 Talents Program, or PLAN, which is an organized effort to recruit American university professors to steal intellectual property for China. It's not a theory. It's a fact. The Chinese are proud of it. The 100 Talents Plan goes into U.S. universities and other countries as well, but the U.S. is a, is a prized possession. They target university professors, get them on their payroll, and then have them funnel information to China. And th these are not all Zhang Dong Cheng type people. These are, in some cases, Americans. And they get them on the payroll. Maybe they send them... Uh, Chinese spy to have some fun with. You're in Congress or something like that. Thinking of Swallowell and Fang Fang. And uh, then they get all of that, all of that prized information. And they don't have to, they don't have to fire a gun or drop a bomb. They just steal the potentiality from American universities. Or they hack into military servers and try to steal information on the F-35 stealth fighter on anti-ship missiles being developed uh, by the Navy. They use satellites that are supposed to be for scientific purposes, the People's Liberation Army does, for spying on other countries, particularly the United States. They send secret agents in. They have what are called uh, police stations. Police stations in New York City and other places that are 
supposed to be monitoring Chinese nationals, but they're actually monitoring Americans. They're spy centers. Now, we know that other countries do this. The United States does this. China's not alone in these endeavors. But China is alone in the sense that they're doing these things not because they're trying to preserve uh, the, the, the wonderful country that they have. They're doing this because they're otherwise unable to sustain themselves. They have to steal technology from other countries because they just don't have people to develop it otherwise. They're stealing everything, intellectual property, you name it. Buying up farmland, tens, hundreds of thousands of acres um, all over the country. In fact, uh, in places that are next to military installations even, which is just disturbing that the U.S. military would allow this. U.S. Department of Agriculture has shown that Chinese, or they have documented that Chinese ownership of farmland has gone from $81 million in investments in 2010 to over a billion and a half plus, almost $2 billion in 2020. Chinese firms have also bought land next to U.S. military facilities. Literally. In 2021, Grand Forks, the city in North Dakota, announced that the Fufang Group, which is from China, was going to build a corn processing mill near their city. The company identified a plot just a few miles down the road from the Grand Forks Air Force Base, which also happens to be home to some of our, in America, key surveillance and reconnaissance equipment. The 319th Reconnaissance Wing, which operates the RQ-4 Global Hawk, the high-altitude, remotely-piloted surveillance plane. It's basically the, the, the support column of U.S. military communications around the world. And China just sets up a little base right there next to our base, and nobody seems concerned. And likewise, the U.S. didn't seem that concerned when a spy balloon, as it is called, made its way across the whole country. Couldn't shoot it down, though, they said, because it could injure civilians. The news source Bloomberg, always trustworthy, reported that U.S. authorities were well aware of the unidentified object that had entered American airspace on January 28th. It was over northern Idaho out of Canada. We know the Canadians work with the Chinese. Trudeau is a dictator, Trudeau should be removed from power if we're following the same ideology that leads us to support Ukraine and overthrow dictators all throughout the Middle East. Trudeau's an actual dictator. He should probably be overthrown if we're following that neocon, liberal con policy. But then Bloomberg, which said that they had reports of this, this object um, up in northern Idaho, Bloomberg changed their story because at first they said that the balloon was one of our balloons. And then it turns out that it wasn't one of our balloons. According to Bloomberg, thousands mistake U.S. research balloon for Chinese spy craft. So you didn't actually see what you thought you saw. It wasn't actually a 
Chinese balloon. Bloomberg reported that what you were actually seeing was a high-altitude research balloon released over the United States, according to Flight Radar 24. Oh, it's kind of like Roswell again. It was just a weather balloon. It was just a weather balloon. It wasn't any kind of secret military craft, or probably wasn't aliens, but it wasn't some kind of secret military craft, something we don't want the public or our, our uh, adversaries around the world to see what we're working on. It might have even been German technology there in Roswell. It's the same story, though, the weather balloon story. It was actually a weather balloon. Really, it's a weather balloon. Well, I mean, it was a balloon. It was just, it wasn't American. It was Chinese. Bloomberg later changed their story, probably because initially they reported this because the, the Chinese have bestowed an award on Bloomberg, calling it uh, the most valuable, best information vendor. I read that over the weekend. Yes, they, they're the most, most valuable. Best information comes out of Bloomberg, of course. Then it was, then it was admitted that it wasn't a, an American balloon, military balloon. It was actually Chinese. And that balloon proceeded to cross the continental United States uh, before it was shot down in the Atlantic Ocean. They said they couldn't shoot it down because it could hurt and injure civilians. Really? Well, the military hasn't traditionally been concerned about civilians. We've routinely tested um, chemical weapons, uh, radioactive weapons, nuclear weapons, you know, about downwinders. We've tested drugs and chemicals and vaccines on soldiers and civilians and nurses and doctors and you name it. But suddenly, we're too concerned with maybe a civilian getting hurt so we can't shoot it down. I'm not advocating for harming civilians. I'm just saying that the military usually doesn't care, so it's weird that suddenly this would be, this would be the, the excuse. It's also weird that when it entered into northern Idaho, and it went into Montana and, and, and whatnot, it's to suggest that they couldn't shoot it down there because it, would, it could potentially harm somebody. Like, it's going to land on a on a bus full of crippled orphans who are all carrying tiny little puppies and kittens and they're all innocent and swinging songs about singing songs about Jesus and then this balloon comes down and just crushes the bus in reality if you've ever been to Idaho or Montana you realize there's nothing there you could shoot that balloon down a hundred times and the chances of it landing on anything that is even remotely populated is slim to none. Even if you don't know that most of the world is uninhabited, like almost all of it is uninhabited, even if you don't know that, you should be able, because, you know, science is real, to realize that if scientists can track asteroids and comets millions of miles away, whether that's with a pen, pencil, piece of paper, and a calculator, or that's with a machine, with a computer, if they can track that, and if they can track the movements of the heavens like our ancestors did thousands of years ago, and if they can track a, a spent booster fuel rocket from a space shuttle and know where it's going to land and when, or a space capsule, then they can track a balloon if it's being shot down. I'm not a mathematician. I'm not a physicist. 
but I'm pretty sure you would need to know which way the wind's blowing, how fast it's blowing, the distance between the balloon and the ground when the missile strikes it or whatever they shoot it down with, you know, the, the velocity and strength of, of the object they're using to shoot it down, how much it might push the balloon in another direction, account for, you know, the wind and account for where, you know, where it's at. And they can triangulate and calculate where the thing's going to land. Don't tell me they can't. If you think they can't, you're deluding yourself. If you think you, that, that they can't, you're, you're delusional. So that's totally ludicrous that they, that they couldn't track it. And it's ludicrous that they would suggest that they can't shoot it down because, I mean, it could land on civilians, really. Well, there's like nothing in Idaho or Montana, so I, that's the best place to shoot it down. In fact, there's not really much in the Midwest either. It, it's, unless you go to a big city, I mean, everything is just pretty much open land everywhere, anywhere you go. So they wait until it gets out over the ocean and they shoot it down. It's a big balloon and um, they just let it gather sensitive information. God knows what really. Now, in the in the mainstream, let's call it narrative. Um, and a lot of people outside the mainstream have been talking about, you know, nuclear war and World War Three and all that. Wouldn't you think it'd be a good idea to, to shoot that balloon down just in case the Chinese were using it to target a, you know, a, a military installation or nuclear missile sites so that they could launch their assault, launch their attack? Like, wouldn't taking the balloon down be, even if it did injure civilians, wouldn't that be a better strategic military decision? Because the potential of letting it gather that information sending it back probably in real time to China could be detrimental. That could mean that millions of lives could be lost because it's just gathering all this information to, to prepare for you know an outright physical assault on the country. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the Chinese are going to invade. I don't think the Chinese are going to drop nukes or Russia is going to drop nukes. All of that is, is a way in which the population can be controlled, whether it's Chinese or American. It benefits both sides thinking that the world could end at any moment. I don't think that's what's happening. I think when you factor in the 100 Talents program, the infiltration of academia, like the, the communist Russians said that they were going to do, they'd infiltrate the, the United States through the universities, and that's where you get all the liberal commie professors now, all the Marx, they're not even communists, they're just Marxists. And you get the infiltration of, um, infiltration of U.S. cities with, what amount to Chinese police stations in the U.S. and they're around the world and other countries as well. Uh, military and law enforcement being influenced by communist Chinese uh, congressmen, congresswomen being influenced by the Chinese, a spy driver for Dianne Feinstein, uh, Christine Fang, Chinese spy, cozying up to Eric Swallowell in California. Uh, secret agents infiltrating the United States through diplomatic channels and others. These are all provable things. Satellites being run by the People's Liberation Army of China under the guise of science, but it's really about spying. Hacking into the U.S. Uh, uh, Databases for everything from military stuff to economic stuff, uh, you name it. They tried to, it's official, they tried to steal plans for the F-35 stealth fighter. 
try, try to steal plans for uh, naval technology, uh, anti-ship missiles, you name it. Uh, hundreds of companies were hacked into by the Chinese, but it's the Russians that they're the problems. Oh, and of course, they've also used these balloons long before you ever heard of them. In fact, a Chinese spy balloon crashed off of the coast of Hawaii four months ago. At least one balloon flew over parts of Texas and Florida during the Trump administration. So it's all Trump's fault. I've read some of that in the media recently. It's Trump's fault that the he Trump didn't shoot it down either. Probably should have. Unless everybody's kind of working together. Maybe everybody's kind of working together. It's like there's no need to shoot it down. We just assume they're already doing this. They've infiltrated schools. They've infiltrated the power grid. They've infiltrated agriculture. They've infiltrated everything. Congress. Why would you shoot it down? Maybe the military is right. Maybe it would be a, 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 a provocation of war. Maybe they would provoke war with China by shooting it down. It's just assumed that the Chinese are going to be able to do this. We've made an agreement. They, you can spy all you want. You can steal and take everything you want. When they tell you it would provoke a war, they're right. It probably would because it would violate the agreement that you can do whatever you want in our country as long as we get paid to sell out our own people. The Chinese have used these balloons all over the world. The U.S., God knows what the U.S. is doing. God knows what other countries are doing. But the point is, why did the Chinese in particular have to do this? Because they're not developing new things themselves. Most tech advancements do not come out of China. They come out of places like Japan and the United States. Chinese are stealing that technology. They are stealing from our, our power grid to agriculture to universities, anything and everything they get their hands on. Theft. That's how they're building their perfect communist technocratic world. And when those things are stolen, I mean, what are ideas and uh, you know plans to build new technologies? Th- these are potentialities. Potentialities. Things that could manifest into something could be good or bad, but they're potentialities. And when I watched this balloon pop, maybe it was a U.S. balloon. I, maybe, I, I don't know what it was. I, I don't know. I saw that Fang Fang was written on the side of it in one of those memes, which apparently is a, <laughs> it's a, it's a racist meme. Mainstream media says it's racist meme, yeah, but it's, it's totally okay, though, to let the Chinese like openly, like anybody could see it, publicly spy on the United States. And that's okay, though. But the point is, when I watched this thing, you know, pop, I, I mean, I honestly thought, like, it just looks like a big egg in the sky. Looks like a big egg. And then it just, it cracked, got cracked open. They made an omelet there in the, in the ocean. And I, I, I couldn't help but think, that's just where my mind went. I just thought, oh, this kind of looks like an egg. Big, white, circular, oval thing. Back in late January, 100,000 hens died at the Hillendale Farms, Bozra, Connecticut facility, contributing to the cost and the availability of eggs, one of the largest facilities in the United States, Hillendale is, and then the largest egg producer in New Zealand, Ziegold Farm, they just lost 50,000 hens as well because of a fire. And then when you add in all of the other Meat producers, oil, vinegar, honey, 
potato chips, other snacks, potatoes, uh, salad processors, all these kinds of companies all over the United States in the last year, start to think, huh, it's a lot of coincidence. You go back further, you remember the dumping out of the milk and the smashing of the eggs and the plowing of vegetables, the food waste of the pandemic? Because places weren't open, people weren't demanding it. And then with a scaled back economy and inflation after businesses and farms scaled back, when people started demanding the product again, they didn't have the product, so prices went up again and there was less availability. Shutdowns, lockdowns, that just destroyed potentiality, that destroyed resources, that destroyed production. It limited what was available and it increased the price for everybody of what you could potentially get your hands on. It sabotaged civilization. And that sabotage continues, even if it's just symbolically. The sabotage continues. There's plenty of food on this planet, plenty of potential and ability to grow it. There's plenty of potential to clean up homeless problems and drug problems and crime problems, but they don't want to do that because if you don't have something to go to your government officials to complain about, they don't have any power. You saw how fast they cleaned up El Paso when Biden went down there? Instantaneously. They can clean up any city, produce as much food as you can eat at any time, anywhere, and anybody that tells you different is lying to you because they actually believe it and they've deluded themselves or you know because they feel like they have to say that or they you know they're going to be called a, a conspiracy theorist or something sabotage destroying potentiality and that's really what the whole subject of abortion is about that's why that's the leading political debate it's abortion 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 you know that show we did last Monday, Grave and Images, about the Ruth Bader Ginsburg statue in New York and how they stood it on a lotus flower? And the lotus flower represents spirit conquering matter. But Ginsburg's statue was a symbol of abortion officially, and it was like half human, half tentacle monster, half goddess, half animal. And as a symbol of abortion, I mean, abortion is the conquering of spirit by matter. So it's an inversion. It's the cracking of the egg to destroy the potentiality for life, literally and figuratively. So we have to ask the question, of course, here on The Secret Teachings, what does the egg represent? Well, the egg represents immortality and potentiality. In the language of Egyptian hieroglyphics, the determinative sign of the egg represents potentiality, the seed of generation, and the mystery of life. If you destroy the egg... You destroy potentiality. You destroy generation, regeneration. You destroy the mystery of life. That's what abortion's about. That's what the sabotage of our food systems, economic systems, power systems. That's what it's all about. That's part of the reset. That's part of the cultural revolution. Tearing down statues, burning books, canceling people, deleting history. The egg represents all that could be. The egg is essentially ISIS. ISIS is the mother of all the egg inside which the child grows and is born. If you rip that child out, if you rip that egg apart, break it, smash it, crush it, can't put it back together again, you're destroying life. You're destroying the mysteries of life, the ability to procreate potentiality in a direct and indirect way. 
concept of the egg, it's a small little egg, was expanded to represent the egg of the world, a cosmic symbol which can be found in virtually every tradition, Druidic traditions, Indian traditions, you name it. The vault of space to the ancients became like an egg. The egg of space, the egg of the dome of space, the vault of space consisted of seven enfolding layers betokening the seven heavens or spheres of the Greeks. The Chinese believe that the first man sprung from an egg, dropped from heaven, that floated in the primordial waters. The Easter egg, of course, is a symbol and an emblem of immortality, which conveys the essence of these beliefs. It has to do with Ishtar. The golden egg from which Brahma, in Hindu, burst forth is equivalent to the Pythagorean circle, with the central point or hole. That golden egg is, of course, Ishtar's egg as well. You look all throughout the world, you find the symbolism of the egg, whether it's a literal egg being smashed, or it's the potential to stop the collapse and the sabotage of civilization and waiting until that big egg made it out over to the Atlantic Ocean and then popping it and letting it drop into the ocean, just like in mythology. It's kind of funny, too, because this is from my symbol book, A Dictionary of Symbols by J.E. Surlot, one of my favorite symbol books. I'd highly recommend it. It says the Chinese believe that the first man had sprung from an egg dropped by Tain from heaven to float upon the primordial waters. And it just so happens to be that big egg spy craft that the Chinese sent over the United States. Instead of shooting it down, blowing it up, they used all these excuses. Can't triangulate the balloon, but they can, can triangulate an asteroid or what a kid's going to feel like when they're 30 years old. If they chop their breasts off now, they'll never regret it but they can't track where that balloon might land. So instead of stopping all that potential that that balloon could have and did in fact gather in terms of information and data, they waited until it got out over the water and then reenacted the Chinese myth of the creation of man, and that is blowing the egg up or dropping it from the heavens into the waters upon which it opens up, and there you have the first man. Except that first man is mankind as we knew mankind. The new man that the Chinese and the Americans just invented, created uh, the homunculus they just resurrected out of the waters of the Atlantic, is more keen to the Joseph Stalin new man or the new Soviet man. That selfless, selfless learned, healthy, muscular, and enthusiastic worker who works for the party. The new man and the Great Reset. That's what that balloon is, esoterically. It's a big egg. They prevented the potentiality of what it obtained. They let it gather up all this information. They let it be born, and then they blew it up over the waters, just like in Chinese mythology. The egg falls from the sky, hits the waters, and man is born. That is a new man. The new Soviet man, the new Mao man, the new Xi man. Resetting of mankind. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. I hope that you enjoyed tonight's broadcast. If you just tuned in and you missed the beginning of the show, go back and listen to the whole thing from beginning to end. Might make a little bit more sense if you just tuned in the last couple of minutes. Again, this is The Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday. You can find us. You can listen for free on any radio podcast player or app. Find us also for free on our website or subscribe to the ad-free show. Get access to the show, the montages, all my digital books, 
www.thesecretteachings.info. You can also buy my books separately on the website, Occult Arcana, Liberty Shrugged, The Technological Elixir, and Food Philosophy. Email rdgable at yahoo.com if you'd like to contact us. Otherwise, stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Don't be afraid, be informed. And we'll talk to you on tomorrow night's broadcast.